Well, if you will, open with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter, chapter 5, and our text this morning will come from verses 1 to 4, looking specifically at the subject of elders. First Peter, chapter 5, we'll begin by reading together from verses 1 to 4. Peter writes here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He says, So, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's go again to the Lord. Father, you call your people, your church, to a great task and a great life of pursuing Christ and of imitating Christ in their own lives, of following his example. But you have not left each individual Christian to themselves to just figure it out. But you have given to the church and to each church shepherds who can guide and who can be examples to the flock of what pursuit Christ looks like and how to remain faithful in the midst of fiery trials. It is a gift that you have given to us that that we've all at one time or another who have walked with the Lord for any amount of time have been shepherded by faithful pastors and what a blessing that has been to our own souls. Lord, we desire to hear in our own church that, that you would raise up many among us who would desire to and who would shepherd well the flock of God here. So I pray for us this morning. I pray that you would teach us from your word and and show us the good design that you have for each church. That you give to her pastors to shepherd your flock. Lord, I pray that all of us here would desire that 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 would be the case among us, and that we would pursue that end through prayer and through the encouragement to, to raise up other elders here. So teach us this morning, I pray, from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, as the title of the sermon suggests, we are beginning to look at the subject of church elders. I know it may seem a little strange to introduce a subject like this right before going on sabbatical, but for one thing, that's just where we are in 1 Peter. We're going to keep going through 1 Peter. Peter addresses directly elders in this passage. And then for another thing, I I think it will actually be quite fitting 
for where we are as a church right now, where we're going to be as a church the next several weeks, and then where we hope to be in, in the future, where we desire to go. As our church is presently organized, we do not have elders. This is something that many of us have wanted, something that I have talked on regularly, something that I've desired that we'd be able to move towards eventually, and of course something that we have prayed for. We are currently in the process of revising our bylaws to officially recognize elders, to conform ourselves more to a biblical church. But before we do that, before making any sort of significant changes such as this would be, I think it's always necessary to demonstrate and teach from Scripture why these things ought to be the way they are, why it is biblical. And as we come to 1 Peter 5, now where elders are addressed directly, it will be fitting to spend some time together hearing from the Word of God on this matter with the aim, ultimately, of submitting ourselves to it. So as we consider broadly this morning the subject of church elders, I want to consider it with you under five headings, all taken mostly from verse 1. If you like taking notes, you can write these down. So first, we will look at the need for elders need for elders. Second, we'll look at the place of elders. The place of elders. Third, we'll look at the plurality of elders. The plurality. Fourth, we'll look at the apostolic ministry of elders apostolic ministry of elders, and then finally we will consider the God of elders. So, first of all, as we look at this subject this morning, let's consider the need for elders. I want you to look with me again at verse 1, and just notice how Peter connects his exhortation to elders with what came before. So if you're reading from the ESV, we read this. So, I exhort the elders among you. Now, some translations, like the King James, do not have this first word here, so, in it. The best manuscript evidence that we have indicates that Peter originally wrote this sentence with this little word. So, or therefore, or accordingly, at the beginning. And the importance of this observation is that Peter is making a connection between his exhortation to elders and what came before. And what came before? What have we seen in 1 Peter? Well, most immediately, Peter has been addressing the inevitability that the people of God in the churches of God will suffer for the name of Christ. That's coming. He's been preparing and warning them for this reality. Chapter 4, verse 19, right before this verse, says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. Chapter 4, verse 16 says, Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed 
chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. The beginning of the chapter, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, Peter says there, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with this same way of thinking. And then in chapter 3, verse 7, we read there, For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing All throughout this letter, Peter has been warning and preparing the church for sufferings to come and exhorting them to remain faithful, to endure, to imitate Christ in these sufferings. He has called them to be a people of prayer. He has called them to love one another, to show hospitality, to one another, to conduct their lives honorably. He's called them to cultivate God-fearing homes and to continue hoping in and loving God through Christ who calls them to be born again and who has now made them into a royal priesthood. And then, after giving all of these warnings and exhortations after preparing the people of God for sufferings, he says in chapter 5, verse 1, so, therefore, accordingly, I exhort the elders among you. Then verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among Peter assumes that the people of God who are being called to the great and difficult task of sharing in the sufferings of Christ, Peter assumes that they're going to need to be shepherded through it. That they're not supposed to just do this on their own. The logical inference that he makes from a call to share in suffering with Christ is not, therefore, O Christian man, therefore, O Christian woman, figure it out by yourself. It's not, be prepared to suffer on an island alone. No, the the inference here that he draws is, is therefore, O elders, O pastors, be prepared to shepherd the people of God through all of these sufferings. Peter very much understands the office of elder to be of vital importance, to be a necessity for the well-being of the people of God. They are shepherds who care for God's people. And not only when God's people are doing well, but perhaps most especially when they are not. When they are going through some great fiery trial that could easily pull them away from Christ. Perhaps most especially when they begin to wander off into sin or they wander off into errors and false doctrines. The shepherds are most essential when the trials come. They are needed. They are given to the church by God to tend to the flock in very tangible ways counseling, through exhorting, through rebuke, through encouraging, through applying the Word of God to these various trials to His people. And just so we're clear on 
this, when Peter is speaking of elders, he is speaking about the office of pastor. This is an interchangeable term, along with bishop or overseer. And this passage especially helps us to see that interchangeable terminology, that there's only one office that can have several different descriptions or or functions. Verse 1, if you look there again, he says, I exhort the elders among you. And then verse 2, shepherd or pastor the flock of God that is among you. And then exercising oversight, bishoping willingly. He's talking here about pastors. So as he speaks of the inevitability of suffering to come, Peter then turns to address the need for pastors. Therefore, pastors, shepherd the flock of God through these fiery trials. Remind them of who they are in Christ. Remind the people that they've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ, that that through Christ they have already conquered the grave. What can man do to you now? Shepherd them. Encourage them to endure and set an example of suffering well. So that they might have something to follow. There is a need Peter sees for elders, for pastors in the church. Secondly, let's consider the place of elders. The place of elders. And by this, I'm, I'm really just asking the question, where do elders shepherd? Who do they shepherd? Who is the flock? And the answer, very simply, is individual, local churches. Notice again what Peter says in verse 1. He he says, so I exhort the elders among you. And then verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders do not shepherd or exercise oversight over churches that they are not among or who are not among them. There are many Christian traditions that, of course, argue that elders and bishops can exercise oversight and authority over many churches, particularly those that may be in a particular region, some geographical territory, whether that's the presbytery of Presbyterian churches or the bishopric of Episcopalian churches. Strangely, there are even many Baptists who argue that a single pastor can somehow pastor multiple flocks through a multi-site model. We call it one church in several different locations, but that's not reality. It's multiple churches. And it's an impossibility to pastor a people you are not among. This has historically never been the case for Baptists, but it is now. But notice again that Peter says to the elders, he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That is a local term, a local phrase. Each local church is to have their own elders, and those elders are responsible to shepherd the people of God who belong to that church. And this is the model that we see all throughout the New Testament. It's not just here in 1 Peter 5. When Paul writes to the Philippian church, he sends greetings in chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, the elders and deacons. The two offices of the church. The the saints that are being addressed are with 
the overseers. And the overseers are with them. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, Luke describes the missionary work of Paul and Barnabas going around strengthening the souls of the disciples. They had been about the work of planting churches and preaching the gospel and and seeing people saved and establishing churches. And then they're, they're coming back around and they're strengthening these churches that have been planted in the cities of Lystra and Iconium and Antioch. And Luke says that when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Part of Paul and Barnabas's work in planting and strengthening churches was to make sure that each church, the language that Luke uses, each church had elders who could shepherd the people of God when Paul and Barnabas departed. And those elders, again, were in every church. So, elders are not called to shepherd an unnamed region of people, but a very specific people and a very specific flock. A local church where just as the Lord knows the names of His sheep, the under-shepherd knows the names of the sheep. He knows them. So, although I may provide a measure of discipling to some of the brothers in our sister church at Bethany Baptist Church, I'm not over them. I, I don't shepherd them. I'm not among them. I'm not around them as as our brother Lucas would be, who's one of the elders there. We can fellowship together. We can work together. We can partner together. But I don't shepherd that flock. I don't shepherd this one. Elders are to shepherd the flock among them, their local church. So that is where they shepherd. Now, third, I want us to briefly consider the plurality of elders. The plurality of elders. To state the matter bluntly, it is the normal, regular, and biblically assumed order of the church that each local church will not have only one pastor or elder, but multiple. A plurality. In every single occasion where the office of elder is mentioned in the New Testament, it is always mentioned in the plural. It is always assumed that there are multiple elders in each local church. And of course we see this in 1 Peter chapter 5 as well. Notice again in verse 1, Peter writes, So I exhort thee, Elders, plural, among you, shepherd the flock of God. Further down in verse 5, we read there, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. The pattern is the same throughout the Bible. If you think about the passage that we read just a moment ago from Acts chapter 14, verse 23, Paul and Barnabas did not appoint an elder in each local church, they appointed elders in every church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Luke says there that from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. The the plurality, the body of elders at the church in Ephesus to come. And then similarly, in Titus chapter 1, we find that Paul was unable to finish the work of appointing elders in each church. And so what does he do? Well, he doesn't just move on. He sends one of his partners in ministry. He sends Titus to Crete to do what he could not 
finish, to see that this work would be accomplished. We read in chapter uh, 1, verse 5 of Titus, Paul says there, he says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So for Paul, the fact that the churches in each town were still without elders meant that they were certainly true churches. They're genuine believers.